Hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. Welcome back. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah. We didn't know we were taking a break, and then we were both just like... We need to take a break. Yeah, like we were like, it got to like Friday. We usually record on like Saturdays. And I was like, we're not recording tomorrow, are we? Nope. <laughs> so um, hope you guys had a good little break. Hope you guys, as if you needed a break from us. If, yeah. What if everyone was like, don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> don't put that out into the world. <laughs> but we're happy to be back. Hope you're all staying healthy. Yes. It's a rough world out there. Get really, vaccinated, please. get boosted. Yeah. Stay safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it feels, I think it's been like probably a month since we last recorded. Yep. Wow. Boring, Katie. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I don't think we have any news or anything. Mm, nope. I don't think so. <laughs> Just living. Yeah. I so. literally cannot think of. I don't think people care. <laughs> so <laughs> Great. Should we just get into it? Yes. Great. Okay, today we're talking about Missouri State Penitentiary. Dun, dun, dun. Getting back into the ghosts. Heck yeah. So I did my research a little different. Okay. I like the timeline, and then within the timeline, I'm going to do little, like, side things. things. Cool. Yeah. Fun. To mix it up so we don't just sit in one thing for yeah. too long, you know? I love it. Okay. <laughs> So, starting with the timeline, though. So, in 1831, Governor John Miller suggested that in order to keep the city of Jefferson City, Missouri, as the capital of Missouri, that they build a prison there. Okay. They were like, this will keep it. And this, I drive through this area. I would not know it was the capital, I think, if I I did not live close. But anyway. Yeah. You know, when everyone like learned the capitals, like the states and the capitals, I never learned that. You never learned them? No. (laughs) Do you know the capital of Kansas? No. <laughs> Topeka. <laughs> I would not have gotten that. Do you know Kentucky? <laughs> I know Kentucky. Okay, it's good. Frankfurt. Okay, good. But yeah, I don't know most of the capitals, so. Maybe that should be your goal for this year. <laughs> the Kentucky public school system failed, you. failed me. Anyways. So in 1833, Missouri representatives passed a bill that would allow the penitentiary to be built. And in 1834, the construction began. And two years later, in 1836, the first inmate, Wilson Eidson, Eidson, not sure, was received. And four years later, inmates started to work on houses in the area, like their labor was that. So in the 1840s, they were working on people's houses. And a lot of those houses are actually still around today, made by inmates from the prison, like in the area. Like, that'd be a strange thing to know. Also, the prison labor system is messed up. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of labor at this prison, like all of them. I mean, like all of them, yeah. Yeah. So in 1842, the first woman inmate, Amelia Eddy, was received. Okay. And so now we're going to talk about women inmates for a little bit. Oh, great. It's nothing terrible. Okay, good. No. (laughs) I don't think. I didn't know what to expect. No, it's not that bad. (laughs) Okay, cool. So Amelia Eddy had a two-year sentence for grand larceny. But within a few days of actually getting to the penitentiary, she was pardoned and released because they didn't have adequate facilities for her. Okay. Yeah. They're like, I-, I guess it's fine. Yeah, they're like, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, sick. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
no one like hadn't they didn't prep for yeah. women to be there. Yeah. They weren't putting effort into it. I don't think people really cared to have women in prison at this time. They were like, meh. It's the 1800s. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were too concerned. Yeah. Which, okay. I if mean, it was me, I'd be like, glad. Yeah, good for her, I guess. Yeah. So before 1861, there was a separate housing space for women inmates, and it was two stories made of stone. And the first floor was a warehouse, and the second floor had seven rooms for four inmates each. And then a dining room, a hospital, a workroom, and a matron's room. Okay. And then in 1864, there were more women than there were then there was space. And so the warden added a new cell block for 50 women. Um, and he had that built because he thought it would be best to have the women in a separate place from the men. Probably. Makes sense. Yeah. I would be grateful. Yeah. If I had to be there, I would be grateful. Same. So in 1876, a 78 cell dormitory was built with a 20 foot stone wall to keep it separated from the men. So they just built some more housing units. Okay. Um, almost 60 women were at the penitentiary in the 1890s, and when they would arrive, they were given calico dresses with vertical stripes. Not sure what that looks like. What's a calico dress? I don't know. Didn't look it up. Okay, cool. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine my cat. And that's what I did at first. Yeah. I thought they were like, it was like the pattern, and then you said stripes, stripes. and I was <laughs> like, okay, never mind. I think it might be a color. I don't know. Look it up, please. I'll do it. I'll okay. do it. Katie's actually just looking at pictures of cats now. Well, no, it came up. I think you should include that in the photos. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what came up, but this is definitely tie-dye. So I don't know. Maybe it's the style. Like it's just like shapeless. Yeah. This is a picture of a woman. I don't know what prison she's at, but. Okay. That didn't really give me any more information. No, but I'm saving this but picture. Great. Of We're going to post a picture of the cat in the, in the <laughs> There's little. There's so many more. <laughs> great guys look up <laughs> prisoner cat <laughs> anyway okay. that was so funny okay so some of the women had committed murder but okay. rarely were they actually incarcerated <laughs> i mean yeah as i was saying um missouri state penitentiary was the second largest in the country and so the number of women inmates there was pretty small compared to others so people were kind of shocked that there weren't more women there as yeah. inmates. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So re really quick, there were two um, famous activists that were women that were in the prison. Um, Kate Richards O'Hare and Emma Goldman. And a lot of their beliefs and work sparked a lot of conversations and controversy mm -hmm. in the city and like started a lot of conversations that were not being had at the time. Okay. Kate was a peace activist and suffragist who was given a five-year sentence for a speech in which she denounced World War I. <laughs> the fact that you could go to prison for that yeah, is absurd. They, they didn't put all murderers in there, but, but they're going to put her. You, yeah, if you say you don't like the war. <laughs> yeah, in five years. Yeah, yeah five that's years. ridiculous. Emma Goldman had a neighboring cell to Kate, and she was an anarchist organizer, feminist, and anti-war critic who was arrested for obstructing the draft. I don't know how you do that. Especially as a woman. Yeah. Like, for men, it's usually just like, they're like, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> So but interesting. Do you think they were besties? I don't know. Probably, they probably had a lot to talk about. I know. <laughs> and I think the prison shaped their work after like be, after oh, being yeah. released. They had a lot of thoughts. So oh, I'm sure. Yeah. They were cool. Cool. I'm upset that they had to go to prison, but yeah, glad I got sucks. to learn about that. But good for them. <laughs> yeah. So 
64 women inmates were moved to prison farm number one in 1926, which was a little bit east of the penitentiary. Okay. I don't know how many prison farms there were, but this was one. Um, Women were now working outside, raising chickens and hogs and gardening instead of working in warehouses and factories, which they were doing Mm -hmm. before. But now they were living in a mansion on the farm that had been built by... As a plantation 75 years earlier by General James L. Minor. And it was a lot nicer than the housing units at the actual prison since it was a a plantation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where they were living. Okay. Interesting. In early 1960, the women at the farm were moved to Tipton, Missouri because of overcrowding. And they were housed in rooms sometimes by themselves and sometimes only one to three other people were in there with them. So sometimes they would have their own room. They're just chilling. Yeah. They're just going wherever people want them to go. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, families were allowed to visit the women and bring them picnic lunches. And there was a pool there. And they could play volleyball and badminton. They were kind of just chilling. Okay. So that's all I had on women. But figured it was an interesting to learn about them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So back to the timeline. We had started in 1842 before that. So now we're in 1868. Um, a hall, which how people say this on TV just sounds like they're saying a hole. So like <laughs> so many people's accents. But a hall was built for post Civil War criminals and is the oldest existing building on site. Okay. Uh, in 1885, inmates were working for six major shoe factories and the largest saddle tree factory in the world. What is that? It is the frame of a saddle. Okay. I looked it up too. Thank you. I did not know what it was. In 1893, Missouri State Penitentiary was considered one of the most efficient prisons in the country because they were feeding and housing inmates for only 11 cents a day. Wow. Yeah. And what year is that? 1893. Okay. Not sure how much that is. Yeah, I was going to say I have no concept of how much money that is, Mm -mm. but I didn't care to look it up. That's fine. Not that much. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) You don't have to look it up. No, I'm not going to. Okay. Someone else can look it up if they care. That was in uh, 1893, guys. 11 cents. If you really want to look it up. They're all running to Google right now. <laughs> They're so desperate to I know. know who will be. <laughs> I'm not going to. We can't, we can't name drop. <laughs> no. Okay. They'll, they'll know. <laughs> if you hear this, you know. You know. Uh, in 1900, an average of 2,200 prisoners were living there, and the Jefferson City Star Tribune said that the penitentiary was, quote, the greatest in the world. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think that we should be rating penitentiaries no. in that way. It's the best. Like, what is? I what guess, do you mean by the best? Yeah, it's like, it's like, is it the best at like rehabilitating them, or is it the best of like, oh, Punishment. if I go to pr- well, that, or is it like, if I go to prison, I want to go there? Yeah. What are what's our rating system here? I have no idea. Don't even know who fully said that. Okay. The whole newspaper. They Just all the agreed. Whole thing. We're like, yeah. Everyone voted. Okay. Worst or best? Worst or greatest? Oh my gosh. So in 1905, housing unit one was built. And it is actually now, I think, the entrance to the penitentiary. So if you go there, I believe you enter through this building. Okay. I don't know. They haven't been there. I want to go. I know. So it's it's on our minds. Oh, Everyone. Yeah. We want to go here. Someone want to sponsor our trip? Yeah. In 1909, inmates were no longer required to wear the black and white striped uniforms. And they were super pumped about this. Okay. Good for them. I mean, they're not flattering. No. So good Did for them. Just like 
get what did they switch to? I don't know, probably something plain. Like okay. I don't know, they didn't have to wear the stripes. Okay, happy for them. But the orange ones are the ugly orange is too. Bad too. Yeah, I mean, I guess they shouldn't be cute. <laughs> <laughs> I would be sick if I had to wear orange all the time. <laughs> so Katie's never gonna go to prison because no. she refuses to Ooh, wear orange. I hate orange, and I don't even think all prisons wear orange, but I hate it. <laughs> I'm like, can I go somewhere else? (laughs) (laughs) Can you take me somewhere? They're like, no, you're staying here. Because this is part of your punishment. I don't like the uniform. I like the color. Continue. In 1911, uh, there was a fire at the state capitol on February 5th, and inmates saved thousands of important documents. Not sure how, but this was on on the website. So they probably sent the prisoners in there. Yeah. Yeah. They were heroes saving documents. I'm sure it's totally voluntary. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, yeah, I really care about these documents. Documents. (laughs) They did it. Okay. Okay, cool. I didn't make that up. I know you didn't make it up. So don't put it on me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting it on you. In 1914, we're moving on. Okay. Housing unit three was built. Also, some of these buildings, I have no idea what they're actually called because in some shows they were lettered and some they were numbered. And Okay. There's yeah, a lot of buildings. We started with A. Yeah, now we're into housing three. unit three. And we did housing unit one already. Okay. Continue. Yeah, I don't know. Some cool. of them apart. but So it was built in 1914 and it was used for housing and the capital punishment unit until 1889 and the administrative segregation unit. Okay. I don't entirely know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, in 1925, an infamous inmate named Charles Arthur Pretty Boy Floyd arrived. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about them, in yeah. infamous inmates, later. Okay. But that was an important part of their timeline, was that he showed up that year. Okay. I thought it was interesting that they name-dropped him. Yeah. I always think it's interesting when they're like, this person was here. Like, it's interesting the ones they choose to name-drop, and it's yeah. also like, I, once again, it's not something you should maybe be proud of, no. but okay. Yeah. Uh, In 1935, according to the Department of Justice, there were 5,300 inmates at that year. Wow. That's a lot. And two years later, in 1937, with stone from the prison's quarry, the gas chamber was built by the inmates. So, like, the metal part, the actual gas chamber was brought in and put on a concrete slab that they had put in, and then the inmates built around it. Goodness. Yeah. 40 executions took place there. And we're going to talk about some, like, yeah. not in depth, but I have some that mm-hmm. we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the next year, 1938, the hospital unit was finally built. So they had the gas chamber before they had a hospital. The hospital. Yeah. At least for the men. Yeah. they had one on the women's. That's that you true. About. Or, but I don't know when but that was. I don't was. know when that got yeah. built. I don't want to scroll up. I'll That's lose fine. my place. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know when that Cool, happened. continue. Separate one. But this had, they had first started talking about building the hospital in 1935, so it took like three years for it actually to get mm-hmm. done. But it ended up being four story, four, five stories. I don't know why I said four. Great. And it had 240 beds. And now medical records were finally able to be created for all of the inmates, which yeah. feels just like a basic human right. Yeah, that's pretty important. But I now would say. they can all have their medical records. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1950, Charles Sonny Liston. I love all the nicknames for these yeah, guys. Yeah, you have to have a nickname. Yeah. Um, he was an inmate, and while he was at MSP, he learned how to box. Okay. And when he was released, he actually went on to win the National Heavyweight Championship. Okay. And I have a little bit more about him later on, but I was like, that's kind of cool. That's kind of sick. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so he learned, he was apparently really good. Cool. Really good at it. Uh, 1954, now we're about to go on a little tangent again. Um, national attention was turned towards Missouri State Penitentiary when a riot broke out. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> okay. So prison riots had been happening a lot at different prisons in 1953 and 1954. And people in Missouri were really afraid of it happening. So they were like, we need to come up with a plan. We need to train our officers. Like we need to be ready in case yeah. this happens. It's a good thing they did. Okay. Because it did happen. On Wednesday, September 22nd, around 6.30 p.m., 1954, mm-hmm. two inmates got the attention of a couple guards by acting sick. And when the guards went into their cell to investigate, the inmates overpowered them and took the keys and beat one of them pretty badly. I don't think those two died, though. Okay. But I'm like, why... <laughs> Why go in? Yeah. I don't know. But anyway. Also, they have the hospital by this point. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. They're probably just like, what's wrong with you guys? So then the two inmates ran out of their cell and immediately started running down the cell block, unlocking other people's cells. Yeah. Everyone's getting out, letting more and more people out in different cell blocks as they go. Don't know how. Don't know what keys they got. Probably just stole them off of other guards. But yeah. Um, Some went to the dining hall and broke a lot of chairs and windows Others were starting fires in different shops. Uh, finally, all patrol officers all over the state started heading towards Jefferson City. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a call over the radio that said, proceed to Jefferson City at once. Prison riot in progress. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I would be like, actually, I'm good. I'm going to keep patrolling this yeah. um, like, I, suburb. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go there. <laughs> goodness. Um, local police, the National Guard, Kansas City, and St. Louis police officers, highway patrol troopers, they were all surrounding Missouri State Penitentiary by midnight. Mm-hmm. So it took a few hours, but also oh, yeah. they're all kind of a couple hours away. Yeah. And they can't just stop what they're doing. <laughs> but that's a lot of people. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of inmates, though. So hundreds of inmates were running around inside, throwing concrete and rocks at the deputy warden's office. And four buildings were on fire at this point, And there were, like, other fires in other places Mm -hmm. but eventually there were around 2500 inmates rioting and an inmate in solitary confinement was tortured and murdered by the other prisoners so they're all turned they're beating each other up goodness yeah and that's like probably like what half the prisoners yeah unless it had gone down yeah by that time but it's a lot i can't imagine being within the other ones and being like I'm going to stay here. Don't unlock it. It's fine. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A highway patrol trooper named Walter Wilson wrote later, quote, as waves of rioters stormed the deputy warden's office, armed troopers on the roof were finally forced to open fire with machine guns and riot guns to force the desperate prisoners to flee the prison yard. Several convicts were injured by gunfire. So it seems like they didn't really, I mean, no, I don't think any of them really wanted to have to do that. Yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do when there's 2,500 people. Yeah. But um, so because of this, the inmates were forced to back off and a lot of them started to try and take cover. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, the officers finally got control again and they started starting like getting small groups at a time and getting them back into cells and they got the leaders of the riot mm-hmm. um, detained. And at that point, 300 inmates were still barricaded in B and C cell blocks or back to letters. Great. But they were. <laughs> They were not willing to surrender yet. Okay. So 300 of them, they were like, not giving up on this. Um, and the officers all went back and had a meeting about what to do in the warden's office. And they eventually told the press there, they're like, we're not doing anything else tonight. <laughs> like they had all been there since yeah. everything started. And they're like, 
super tired. And I'd be like, me too. I, mean, I would yeah. be exhausted. So they just let him be in there. Okay. For the rest of the night. They told the rest of the troopers to report back at 7 a.m. And then they would give them further instructions at that point. But at that point, I don't know what time that decision yeah. was made. So they could have they could have gotten like not much sleep anyway. Yeah, here's my deal. Like I understand you're sleepy, but also I'm just like that kind of feels like a situation when like your sleep kind of has to come second <laughs> yeah like adrenaline pumping like or just like like you can't all leave like yeah some of you have to be i think there. some people did yeah stay, i'm but sure people did but it's like it doesn't feel like the best idea to have like a bunch of your men leave no when it all just happened in the first place yeah but and there's okay. 300 that could come out at any point yeah and attack again interesting yeah that's that's a choice yeah okay so the next morning, 245 troopers reported back, and 18 were chosen to lead um, to lead in, including the trooper Wilson, who I mentioned bef- that quote from before. Mm-hmm. Um, 100 St. Louis officers and other the rest of the troopers, they were going to wait in the prison yard as a second line of defense and to process the inmates if and when they came out. Yeah. And so I have a bit of a longer quote from that trooper Wilson about this moment, so we can just hear what it was like in okay. that moment. Quote, it was a tense moment and anything could happen. We were heavily armed with riot guns and submachine guns as we entered the massive building. The inmates inside were shouting, cursing, throwing articles of bedding, furniture, and personal belongings. All the windows had been broken out. As we entered the door, we were greeted by flying debris. A 50-pound cake of ice pushed from a tear above barely missed my head. As we plunged, he is very detailed writer. Yeah. As we plunged... I would never say this. As we plunged through the hallway. Oh, yeah. Waited, waiting in four inches of water, I noticed my, to my left that the water in front of one cell was crimson red. Red with the blood of one of the wounded convicts who had been stabbed earlier by a fellow inmate. Over the loudspeaker, the convicts were ordered to get into the nearest cell and be quiet or they would be shot. One inmate ignored the order, leering and shouting. Without hesitation, one of the troopers raised his weapon and shot the troublemaker dead. At that, an eerie silence fell in the huge building. The convicts retreated into the nearest cells as instructed, and the troopers slammed shut and locked the doors behind them. Up to nine prisoners were crammed into the tiny cells. When they were all safely locked away, an all-clear whistle sounded. Then one cell at a time, the men were strip-searched, taken out into the yard, and processed by the waiting officers. They were returned to their proper cells. It took until mid-afternoon to finish the job. It's a lot. That is a lot. I can't imagine, like, processing all of that while doing your job. No. Like, being like, oh, I looked over there, and that was happening, and then this happened, like... Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So, there's... Overall, with the riot, four officers have been injured, four inmates were killed, and 50 were injured, and one had attempted suicide. Um, several buildings have been damaged by the fire and other things, and it was estimated to be about $5 million in damage. Wow. Um, no prisoners had actually managed to escape. Um, no breakfast was served the next day. Sandwiches were eventually handed out, and dinner that was usually served at 4.30 was served at 3 p.m. instead. Okay. And they were like... Here's your food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, small groups ate at a time and had to walk with their hands behind their heads to the dining area. And 85 troopers were present with weapons to like keep it under control. Wow. Yeah. Um, the next day, Governor Donnelly ordered people to search the entire penitentiary. They had to look for any kind of weapon or contraband that, that they would find. Um, they found sledgehammers, screwdrivers, axe handles, files, scissors, 
pieces of machinery that have been filed down to sharp points. Mm-hmm. Um, the governor came a couple days later after that to survey the rest of the damage. And he said that they already had the funds to make the repairs, so they didn't need to do anything wow. else. And I was like, hmm. you have $5 million. Just on hand. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Feels like you guys should use that for something. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Um, inmates had told the press that one of the reasons behind the riot was that they had been dissatisfied with the new parole board, um, which now had, uh, like a few weeks before, had been redone mm-hmm. and had former cops on it. And they okay. were worried that they would be in and they would not be impartial. Yeah, that makes sense. And the press asked the governor if he would change the board, and he said, "No, sir. I'm going I'm not going to let a bunch of convicts tell me what to do." Okay. Yeah. I mean, but they also just caused 5 million dollars of damage, damage, so like maybe do something. And also that's a very valid yeah. like if the cop who put you in jail is on your parole board, you're probably not getting out like, of there. Like, yeah, that's not fair. That's not justice. Like, no. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Yeah. That's not okay. No. But okay. So that was the riot. That's all I had about wow. it. Wow. Okay. But it sounds crazy. Oh, yeah. So um, back to the timeline. Just one thing, and then we'll have another little tangent. Great. Uh, 1967 Time Magazine called the penitentiary the, quote, bloodiest 47 acres in America. Yeah. Which that is what it is known for. Yeah. That's what all the ghost shows be Call talking it, about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so quickly, we're going to talk about the centennial cells because it was found in the mid 1980s. And we're about to go into the 1980s. What? And the timeline. Okay. <laughs> Follow along. I assumed that's what you meant, but I was like, I'm confused. Read my mind. Okay. <laughs> So, in the mid-1980s, an old cell block, which predates the Civil War, was found by the penitentiary officials, the Division of Adult Institutions, and the Department of Corrections. It was discovered when the court ordered for a new recreation yard to be built for death row inmates. Um, It was found between housing units two and three, and there were six cells, which I think were built in the 1840s, and it is now believed to be the oldest thing on the property. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. The people wanted to preserve these cells, but the Centennial Cells Preservation Project was not actually started until 2019. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and at that point, the cell block was added to tours, and they started surveying it for the first phase of, like, the restoration. Mm-hmm. Or the preservation. They're not really restoring yeah. it. Um, the second phase was to dig in the site and, like, see what's going on in there and then in the third phase they added sidewalks and stairs to access the cells so now people can go down there Mm -hmm. in august of 2020 the project was finally completed and people can visit during all the tours including investigations so now ghost hunters when we go go, (laughs) we can go down there exactly yeah it's very interesting because there's just like a hole in the ground with cells (laughs) like yeah that's wild I would have like never thought that that would be found. You yeah, know? I wonder if there's more oh, that probably. they've never found. Yeah, so. if they didn't know it was there. Yeah, it's very fascinating. So ending the timeline. Okay, 1989. Taylor Swift is in the I world. Knew you I know. Say something about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Death row finished. No more at Missouri State Penitentiary. They were done executing people. Good. Okay. Um, any remaining cash cash. Capital punishment. I was combining the words. Capital. <laughs> Capital punishment inmates were moved to a new prison in Potosi, Missouri. 
Don't okay. ask me where that is. I've cool. never heard of it. But they were no longer using a gas chamber. In 1991, the name was changed from Missouri State Penitentiary to Jefferson City Correctional Center. Mm-hmm. And then in 2004, the remaining 1,355 inmates were moved to the new Jefferson City Correctional Center on the eastern side of the city on September 15th. And the Missouri State Penitentiary at that point was now the oldest prison west of the Mississippi River for 168 years. Wow. So then I think the name kind of went back to Missouri because they had a new one. But so 2004. It was open for a long time. Yeah, Yeah. it's open for a very long time. So now to talk a little bit about executions. Mm -hmm. So fun, right? Not at all. Um, In September 1937, Governor Lloyd Crow Stark had signed a bill which called for execution by lethal gas. And I guess before this, local sheriffs were responsible for dealing with capital punishment in their counties. But that was no more because of this, which that just sounds terrible. They just like had to do it themselves yeah or like figure like deal with it it. yeah yeah oh gosh yeah sounds terrible yeah still terrible that they moved it and that people were actually like the death penalty was still happening yeah but i don't know it wasn't like anywhere you could have that happen i don't know just a lot yeah so um a lot of people opposed the death penalty and Mm -hmm. the bill yeah but the state of missouri Pretty much supported the death penalty for serious crimes. Not surprising. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, In total, like I said earlier, 40 inmates were put to death in the gas chamber at Missouri State Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. So I just want to talk about a few. Um, John Brown, he was not... You probably do not even know who John Brown, like the historical I mean, I don't know the name, but I don't know. (laughs) More Kansas and Missouri history. But... This is a different guy named John Brown. Um, He was 35, and he was executed on March 3rd, 1938, and he was convicted because he killed a Kansas City motorcycle patrolman, William Cavanaugh, in a tavern holdup in 1936. Okay. So that is why he killed a cop. So Mm -hmm. Um, Johnny Jones was 34, and he had brutally attacked a farm woman after tying her husband to a bedpost. Isn't that so gross? He was executed on July 15th, 1938. Um, a lot of these guys that were on this list had, like, murdered their significant others. Okay. And I was just like, "This is, you guys suck. Like, yeah. Like, so many Like, of not you. surprised. No, but it's <laughs> yeah. just like, ugh. Um, Alan Lambus was 73, and he had murdered a teenage girl when she refused his, quote, amorous advances. And he had killed her with a pitchfork. Oh, my amorous advances yeah you're old enough to be at that time like her her great grandpa like yeah oh my gosh yep men are so gross yeah uh he was executed on june 16th 1944 and had asked the warden to call the governor man again the governor man yeah those were like his last last request interesting um Claude McGee was convicted of beating another inmate at Missouri State Penitentiary named John Mason. Um, He had beat him to death with a hammer on January 10th, 1948. They had actually, the two men had actually entered the penitentiary together because they murdered another guy together. Oh my gosh. And then he murdered his... Guys. Yeah. He was executed on January 15th, 1951. And before his execution, he didn't eat his last meal. And he said, quote, I'm saving it for later. Yeah. Some of them are so cocky. They, they try so hard to be, <laughs> he's trying hard to be quirky. I know, I'm like, I'm saving it for later. You're about to die. Oh my gosh. Why? Just eat the dang food. <laughs> eat the dang food. Just eat it. So, this last one, 
the most popular popularly talked about story okay is because it's the only woman that was executed at missouri state Mm -hmm. penitentiary bonnie b hetty 41 and carl austin hall 34 they were convicted after they kidnapped a boy named bobby greenlease i think he was six years old Mm -hmm. and they demand demanded they demanded six hundred thousand dollars which was the largest ransom in the history of the u.s at that point yeah and they actually paid it Like, his family paid it. But what they didn't know was that they had already killed and buried their son before they even, like, like pretty much right after they abducted him. And which is just so horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, The judge that sentenced the couple called it, quote, the most cold-blooded, brutal murder he had ever tried. Wow. Um, The couple was executed side by side on December 18th, 1953. That's what's so wild about it. Yeah. Why let them? Like, I don't understand that. No. But that's okay. Gross. Yeah. So that's what everyone, everyone talks about her mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. But it's just terrible and so despicable. Oh, it's awful. And I just put in a little note here saying like, I'm pretty anti-death penalty because I'm just like, you should rot in there if you yeah, did something same. that terrible. But also just like reading through these guys' crimes, I was getting so mad. And I was like, oh, yeah. I get it. I, un- I really do understand the other yeah. side of the argument. And like, if I was in their shoes, I don't know what I would do. Like, I really don't. It's so terrible. It's like, I, like, for me, can say I'm against the death penalty, but if a victim's family wants that person to die, then I'm like, okay. Yeah, you have your reasons. Yeah. And I don't understand them because I've never been in your shoes, thankfully. Like, yeah. Oh, they were making me so mad. Oh, yeah. I was reading through them and I was like, oh, I'm mad. I'm mad. And some of them had, like, what they ate as their last meal. And I was like, why? Like, why do we care? Last meals are so weird. I know. I'm the Olive Garden, if you wanted to know. <laughs> I feel I'm like I not t- Did we talk about this recently? I, feel like I think I've we t- did, because we... I think we did. I feel like we've talked about this Because I had listened to the Morbid episode where yeah, they talked I think about that guy that ate, it. like, a crap ton of ice cream. Yeah, I feel like we did talk yeah. about it. I don't know if it was on the podcast or just in life. I think but, it was just in life. But anyway. Guys, I love Olive Garden anyway. <laughs> Back to the podcast. <laughs> Back to the podcast. <laughs> now we're talking about some famous inmates. Okay. Some not great people, but then some not horrible people. Like, okay. Interesting, you know? So like I said earlier, there was, there was those two activists, Kate Richards mm-hmm. O'Hare and Emma Goldman. Just wanted to give them a shout out again. Shout out. Um, next one is not exciting. Well, not good. James Earl Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he was convicted and given a 20-year sentence in Missouri State Penitentiary for holding up a Kroger in St. Louis. Interesting. He, he had attempted to escape Missouri State Penitentiary, can't speak, several times, and he finally escaped in the back of a bread truck. A bread truck? Yeah. Almost exactly a year later, on Thursday, April 4th, 1968, he assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, after being caught and convicted for Dr. King's murder, he was sentenced to... Ne- he thought... I guess he thought that people were going to, like, praise him. Dude. Yeah. And then he was, like, shocked that people wanted to That's put him in prison. racism. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was, like, stunned. People weren't, like, cheering him on, oh I think. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, then he was being hunted down. Rightfully so. Good. Um, he was given 99 years at the maximum security Brushy Mountain Penitentiary mm-hmm. in Tennessee. I would love to go there someday. Also. Same. That's also on the list. Um, later, he was also then moved to Riverbend Maximum Security Facility in Nashville. 
Never Whoa, heard I didn't of it. Know that. I didn't either. Um, he is still on the escape status in the Missouri Department of Corrections because he got out. You know? On the escape status? Like, I guess that's like a status in their oh, records. Yeah. Why does he? He's dead, right? Yeah. Okay. But he got out, so okay. they never changed yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, I think he's dead. <laughs> There's no way he's not. Yeah. But in my brain, I was like, what? He's no. <laughs> they just never changed it. Interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, they're not like, but they're not like following up being like, this person true, that yeah. is gone, they're alive. They're not alive. Well, he's the easiest one to identify that, yes, he's. Yeah, but it's probably buried in there. Yeah. You know? Still. Anyway, moving on. Charles Arthur Pretty Boy Floyd. He was sentenced to Missouri State Penitentiary after pleading guilty for payroll robbery of $12,000 in St. Louis. He went on to rob more banks and murder people after he was released in 1929. And by 1933, he was wanted in several states and known as the most dangerous man alive. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was wanted for three murders in Missouri and then also wanted in Ohio and Oklahoma. He was eventually apprehended on a farm and shot dead on the spot after he tried to escape again. Like he was cornered and he tried to escape. That did not work out for him. Next person. This guy's pretty cool. Harry Snodgrass. What a name. King of the Ivories. King of the Ivories? Mm -hmm. He was exceptional at the piano. Okay. And he was featured in the prison band that like had a broadcast. He... Because of him, the band became known all over the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Dang. Um, When he was set to be released, an announcement was made on the radio that he would be leaving prison poor. Wow, my typing on this is so (laughs) bad. I was doing it so late. Um, The radio station then received more than $2,000 for him from, like, other people in, like, a couple of weeks. Huh. They are like, oh, he's leaving without money? Here's some. Just because um, they loved his piano playing? Yeah. That's sick. During his last performance as an inmate in 1925, a crowd of more than a thousand people attended. And later he traveled with a vaudeville act and made some records with a label. And he was given a full pardon in 1926. Okay. So I don't know why he was in prison. Mr. Snodgrass. Probably nothing terrible since they let him out and gave him a full pardon. But who knows? <laughs> but if this man's piano saved his butt, wow. That's got to be some damn good piano. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll look him up sometime (laughs) since he released some records. Um, Now a guy named John B. Firebug Johnson. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Um, He caught attention from the public because of what he was up to in prison. (laughs) He attempted to escape many times and was known for setting a fire that destroyed more than $500,000 worth of property damage and several inmates were killed with this fire he was given 12 more years and locked in the dungeon for many of them when he was released he wrote a book called buried alive for 18 years in the missouri penitentiary he was down in their dungeon for a long time yeah yeah i'm pretty sure he was down there for like 17 to 18 yeah yeah in the like in the dark there's a place they have a lot of different punishment areas great yeah he was down in the dungeon so they have a dungeon they have solitary confinement which i think is different from from the dungeon (laughs) and then there's also a place called i think these two places are the same called the hole but i also think it's called 3d punishment i think there are several and then there's death row dang (laughs) i know there's a lot they really wanted to punish him so but that guy was down in the dungeon yeah so the last infamous inmate that we're talking about is that charles sunny liston Mm -hmm. the boxer he had been convicted on two charges of robbery with a deadly weapon and two charges of larceny when he got into prison he was illiterate and had 16 siblings 
Wow. He's in a big family. He learned to box while he was at Missouri State Penitentiary and a publisher at the St. Louis at a St. Louis newspaper saw how good he was. Don't know where he saw that. Yeah. <laughs> but the publisher talked to the parole board and promised that if Sonny was released from prison, he would personally see that Sonny would receive a job and boxing training. So he was released um, in 1952 on parole. What the heck? Yeah. He learned to read and write and how to take care of himself. And he trained at the YMCA and worked at a steel factory until he could make money boxing. Um, he entered into the Golden Gloves amateur boxing tournament pretty much right away. And he won in St. Louis and then went on to win the National Heavyweight Championship in 1953 in Chicago. That's crazy. I know. This guy believed in him enough I know. to go to the parole board and be like, this guy, he can do it. Also, imagine being the par- parole board and this guy's like... So I'm going to get this guy a career. And you're like, oh, cool. What kind of career? Boxing. Boxing. (laughs) Be like, I feel like that is a little closely tied with violence. Yeah. I mean, he was in Um, there for robbery, but he did have a deadly weapon. Yeah. So it's like kind of a nonviolent crime, but he did have a weapon. So it's kind of iffy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But But it's still so interesting. There's a lot of foresight there to be like, okay. This seems like a decent person. This is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it is a healthy outlet. It Oh, totally. Like, it's better than him committing more crimes. Oh, yeah. I'm and not saying that b- yeah. boxing is, like, violent in yeah. itself. But I feel like it'd be hard to have that foresight of, like, yeah. He's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he went on to do very well for himself. Good so. for him. So, just a quick note on their tours. I didn't look that much into it. But I know they have photography tours, history tours, and ghost and paranormal investigation. Let's go to all of them. Yeah. So... Everyone, let's all go to Missouri State Penitentiary together. (laughs) Let's have an event. Okay. Anyway, now we're going to talk about hauntings because that's what we're all here for. Heck yeah. So just general hauntings that happen. And then we'll talk about the shows I watched because that's all we always do. But so there's a lot of physical things Mm -hmm. at this at these prisons this, these prisons this these prison. prisons yep um people have been grabbed touched scratched bruised all of the event like all of that um doors and windows open and close on one of the shows they had like a video of a window being opened and closed mm-hmm. um lots of doors are slammed typical for prison hauntings yeah, classic you know? classic <laughs> classic um disembodied voices and screams are often heard okay. screams often near the dungeon area yeah that makes sense um, the punishment unit is called the hole or 3D punishment. Whatever. <laughs> I, whatever one. Um, a hall and C hall are reported to have a lot of negative energy. I don't know what the letters and numbers are. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe if I go there, they'll tell me. <laughs> I'm going to ask. <laughs> um, full body apparitions and shadows are often seen. Um, down in the punishment cells, a lot of guides were saying that they that people get like this feeling of dread and despair and like often people will like get sick to their stomach and like yeah once they leave they feel fine mm-hmm. after a couple minutes but it's like they don't feel great that makes sense um a guide once saw a man like get in her face and scream and then later she realized she had a scratch on her rib nope yeah no way nope <laughs> um people have seen a woman apparition in black walking in the women's ward and apparently, people see a lot of different women apparitions in there. Which is so weird. Yeah. Boo. Boo. <laughs> 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 uh, some people reported doppelgangers being seen as well. Spooky. Yeah. So, Ghost Adventures, you know, we have to start with We it. do. Honestly, they had the most. Good for them. Yeah. I feel like we should cut them some slack. We've given them so much crap. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just, I do want to say that Zach 
I think he is afraid sometimes, like actually afraid because he'll always send people by themselves and he never really does it unless he's just like wants to fight someone and like he's like pissed. Which also like that's kind of part of the fun. Yeah. I'm like, dude, just go be scared a little bit. Like you're going to these places like you might not ever come back. Yeah. Why not make the most of it? Exactly. So that's just something I observed. And I really thought about this when I was watching this episode. Because he left Aaron and Nick alone in places. And he's like, I wanted Nick to feel what this was like. I'm like, why don't you want to feel like what it's like? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, did we already say my quote about him not being an anti-masker? Yes. Okay. Everyone, he's at least pro-masks. And I that's and all we I really respect that. Yeah. So. He was doing it before. It was cool. I used to give him a lot of crap for wearing a mask. I get it. And now I respect it. Anyway, that's my nice thing about him. <laughs> that's the really the only nice thing I can say. <laughs> so anyway, Zach interviewed a former guard turned tour guide. Mm-hmm. And actually they talked about this guy in like all the different shows. But Zach like talked to him. And I guess he was when he was a guard and like guards and inmates when it was act like still a prison were seeing and experiencing things Mm -hmm. but one time he was talking to an inmate and they were about to do like count or something and he saw a guy in a white t-shirt like walk by him and like walk where they weren't supposed to be going and he thought this guy was like trying to piss him off like and so he was getting angry that someone wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing and he went outside to like look for the guy and he was nowhere to be found and the inmate he was with was like you're not gonna find that guy like that's so he spooky. knew it was a the ghost. inmate was just like man i see him all the time <laughs> yeah he ain't real <laughs> he ain't real <laughs> So people talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a tour guide named Maggie said she was in a hall. A hall. It does sound like a hole. Especially if you have an accent. Yeah. It makes me sound like I have a weird accent. I'm saying a hole. A hall. A hole. And this is a serious one. I don't know why I'm laughing. Okay. Something came up behind her and wrapped her, like its hands around her shoulders and like squeezed like really hard. No, and she was like you. very scared. Yeah. No, thank you. My shoulders have been touched before. I don't like it. No. Actually, it was kind of a cool story. And if it gets us on Ghost Files, I'm all in. Yeah, we already we already but, submitted it. But <laughs> new show. Shut up. Can't wait. Um. So then Aaron went to the gas chamber. I think they knew they all did, but he got in the gas chamber. Of course. And he started to feel very uneasy in there. And he was like, my heart is racing. And mine would also be racing in there. But that's just another thing. And then Zach was down in the punishment cells. And he started to get very sharp stomach pain while down there. And then he like later was like describing, it's like, I felt like I was like getting all twisted up in my stomach. Like he was like comparing it to a previous episode they had done where a guy had talked about like his insides were like messed up by his spirit and like went to the hospital and everything but zach was like clearly in a lot of pain from it um and zach when he was in there he asked if someone was stabbed in the stomach or something and he cut an evp that he said says that it says he thinks that it says i ain't breathing and then he said what do you think so i'm going to tell you what i think great i don't think it sounded like that great it definitely was like a voice but Mm -hmm. i don't know what it was saying it didn't sound like that i ain't breathing i ain't breathing that doesn't sound like an no. answer that someone would say. No. But okay. No. So as Zach was waiting, no, waiting. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> as Zach was heading back to the rest of the crew, a loud bang happened on a cell door right behind him as he was walking out of there. So that would scare that me. That would freak me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd run. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> then 
Zach went as he was getting back to base camp. He had like had a voiceover and he was talking about how like he's like, I don't he's like, I would think that this is like food poisoning or something, but I ate like three hours ago, so it probably would have hit by now. And then he said, For the sake of research, I have no diarrhea or vomiting. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't need to know that, dude. No. Wait. You could have said that in a much better way. For the sake of research. (laughs) For the sake of research. Yeah. Not even like like science or like yeah, transparency or like to debunk like this being Yeah. I have no diarrhea. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I needed to know about the state of your shit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) And also if he did, he would have just still said it was a ghost. Exactly. He's like, the ghost made me poop. (laughs) Enough poop humor. (laughs) Moving on. Classic. 12-year-old boys over here. <laughs> My dad hates this. Yeah, great. Let's anyway. go. Let's continue. Um, so all of the guys were back at base camp, and they started hearing loud banging coming from somewhere through their cameras. There's a lot of bangs on a lot of stuff in these places. Um, so then Aaron was back at the gas chamber, and while he's in it, you hear someone hit the outside of it, which hitting on, they would knock on it three oh, times yeah, to, tell you to tell you it's it about to starting. happen. Yeah. yeah, It only happened once, though. But the only voice that he captured while he was doing a spirit box session in there was right after he said, dude, there's seriously something in here with me. And then a female voice came through saying, sorry. It was like very quick, but Mm -hmm. it was like only one female was in there. Yeah. But still could have been anything, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So then Billy and Jay were at Nerve Center. And this is still when Nick was on the show, but they were like the tech guys. Yeah. But they were doing their own little experiment. Uh, they had set up an ovulus in death row and they were communicating with it through a walkie Mm -hmm. from nerve center. And they said they can help if someone talks to them and the word reverend came through. And then Billy asked if they had last words for a reverend and the words information in Jesus came through. Hmm. And then the words change in Bible, like Billy hadn't said anything else. Yeah. And then Jay said it's not too late to change and the word demon came through and then billy asked if the spirit was in the company of demons and dark entities and then they heard two loud bangs in the death row area and then they received the words now lost and trapped Hmm. which is so creepy and we'll go back there's something else that happened okay so now we're skipping to nick Zach left him alone in the dungeon. He like he's like go in there and like and he's backed out and like turned the night vision off of the camera and then Zach like snuck out of there and then he was like sometimes we just like to leave each other alone so that we don't know. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Whatever. <laughs> but Nick was down there alone and he kept being like hearing voices around yeah. him and they did get a few on EVP and this is what they said they were saying. They kind of sounded like, but also some of them were bleeped out. But they heard like a long, a voice like saying, stop, like mm-hmm. really long. And they heard, stop effing with me. But that was bleeped out. So it was kind of hard to hear that whole yeah, one. Yeah, which is annoying. The, I the understand they take have a to long bleep, time. but like. But they take a long, they like cover up the rest of the voice. Yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah. And then they also caught the word demon, which mm-hmm. that one I could kind of hear. So then Nick started walking out of the dungeon and zach was like waiting for him out there and nick was telling zach about how he had heard a weird man's voice in the cell next to him kind of like saying in a very weird like low voice like hurry out of here or something and then as they're standing there they hear like step footsteps coming up the stairs behind them from the dungeon and then they hear a loud like a low growl oh yeah and it sounded very similar to what nick was describing yeah and so i was like that's creepy 
And then Zach and Nick went back to nerve center and the ovulus said that was in death row. They were still like communicating with it. And it said, will twist men apart after Zach had talked about his insides being twisted. Yeah. And then as soon, and then like Billy had gotten out of his chair and Nick sat down in his chair and immediately the ovulus said the words, see Nick. Oh yeah. It was so weird. Very strange. But anyway, that was a lot of what they captured. Honestly, pretty good. I was gonna episode. say that's a lot, they especially a lot. for Ghost Adventures, and it was interesting. So recommend that episode, everyone. Good for them. Yeah. So then, Ghost Hunters classic, classic. the OG. Um. So in one of the cell blocks, I was unsure of which one. Jay and Grant. Have you seen the? They're no. the lead. Grant cool. was the other lead at the time. Cool. Um, they were hearing out loud and capturing male disembodied voices talking yeah. loudly, and you could hear them. Mm-hmm. They could. They have been catching a lot of voices in this prison, and then they caught another voice in the women's block. And I didn't. I couldn't really hear what it was saying, but I guess when they listened back to it later, they kind of thought it said, "Hey, hey, watch it in here." Like that's what they thought it was saying. Okay. Like they were right by a cell, and they yeah. were like, "It sounds like it's coming from in there." Um, two of the investigators, Britt and KJ, they went to the gas chamber and at that point they were like, there's not a lot of claims in here. Mm-hmm. So it must have gotten more active as the time has gone on. But, um, one of them was in the gas chamber and one of them was sitting outside of it and they heard a door creak, a door to like the viewing area creak open. Yeah. And when they asked if anyone was in there with them, um, Jay and Grant were going into the F and G hall. Don't know. It sounded like F-ing you said F and G. Yeah, I know. Which they kept saying it too. Okay. They were calling it that. Okay. I know these halls messing me up. F and G, you know. Yeah. Um, they were walking in there and they were hearing more male voices. So many. Um, and then down in the dungeon where Nick had been hearing voices and like groaning, um, Britt and KJ heard a low moan and like I was like, what a weird spot for that to be happening um amy and adam were in (laughs) the effing g hall (laughs) good and they both saw a shadow moving left to right and like blocked out an entire doorway of light and then they like kind of were chasing it down and adam saw it again and i feel like i kind of saw it but like the camera wasn't super clear so but lots of shadows and then the last thing for that episode that was interesting to me at least yeah um brit and kj two guys that i don't know anything else about cool but um they were in a cell and they saw a shadow walk and block out a window across the hall and they did have the footage of that so oh, wow that was interesting to yeah. see like the light be covered up but so now we're doing ghost hunters taps returns taps returns. this was the first episode everyone should go watch it's on discovery plus is like this the, one with amy and adam again yeah, yeah and dustin who was on the og cool ghost hunters you don't know who that is no i don't he's really tall that's what i cool. i know about him but anyway <laughs> so um jay and steve started out in death row they got a voice of a guy and they said it kind of sounded like coughing mm-hmm. which i kind of agree kind of did it was like a weird no yeah. it wasn't a voice but it was definitely something and then um tango sherry and dustin yeah, Dustin. I'm making sure for a second that I wasn't saying the wrong name. They were going to the women's ward, and as they were walking in, Dave like had like the headphones on with like the good microphone, so like you can hear in real time the EVP. Yeah, the yeah. Have. And Sherry heard this out loud. She couldn't tell what it was saying, but Tango was wearing the headset, and he and Sherry both heard a growling voice like say something, and they said it said "get out," and mm-hmm. it did sound like that. Yeah, <laughs> it was creepy. Which people are like, they don't really want men in here. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. 
So, um, the Adam and Amy went down to solitary confinement, and while they were in there, they brought up bringing something for the prisoners from the commissary, mm-hmm. like cigarettes or something. And whenever they would talk about that, they would just hear banging coming from different parts of solitary confinement. So they're like, we can bring you something. Yeah, like, like who else wants it? Yeah. So then um, back in the women's ward, Sherry, they like all, went, the three of them went into the different cells. And then Sherry was like, if any women inmates like want the attention of Dave or Dustin, like whistle or called them over or something and dave caught a whistle on like a very yeah. quiet whistle but he heard it on the like the yeah. evp thing and then um jay and steve in death row they heard a voice say hello back to them out loud mm. like they're like hello and they heard it so they're like it's like call and response they're yeah. like it's intelligent like it yeah. knows what we're saying and then later or maybe the next day i think it's the next day they've been doing two nights mm-hmm. which i always like more than one night. oh yeah um, in the gas chamber, Steve and Tango were calling out for Bonnie and they heard like a woman whimper. They heard mm. it like three times. Like every time Dave would put the headphones on, he would hear it. It was so weird. Interesting. Um, Amy and Adam went back to solitary confinement and they were bringing like trigger objects with yeah. them. Like like actual like shivs and shanks from prisoners that the tour guides. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember um, this. Yeah. <laughs> When I was watching this episode, I was like, did I watch that? I think <laughs> I was like really out of it. I think when we were watching this because I was like, I don't remember a lot of this. I stuff. remember the shoes. Yeah. And then they brought some, they brought like the original keys to yeah. the prison as trigger option. But while they were like in one of the halls in solitary confinement, Amy saw a shadow like on mm. the floor. No. Which, and then in Destination Fear, they're talking about how they're crawlers sometimes. Yeah. And so I'm like, she saw that basically. Yeah. My fear. I don't want to see. I'll see a shadow. I don't want to see a crawler. We're going back to Waverly. I know. Probably going to see. But I can't see that. I never. The lady kept saying it's above us. I didn't see that at all. I was thinking about it. I feel like we're going to see it when we stop trying. Probably, but I can't stop trying. I think we're going to see it when we're alone. I don't want to be alone. Actually, (laughs) we will probably go in together. Let's be honest. (laughs) Let's be real. We're package deal. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway. Um, on the upper floor of the women's ward, Jay and Dustin were up there and they heard a door like slam shut. That would scare me so much. (laughs) And then Tave, Tango. (laughs) I'm struggling. Tave Dango. (laughs) Dave Tango. (laughs) Wasn't going to say his full name, but it came out. Uh, They were still in the gas chamber and he was hearing more of the whimpery noises. And Steve had the thing on at one point and he was in the gas chamber by himself and he was like hearing breathing on it. That wasn't him. So that would freak me out. Yeah. So now destination fear. Okay. So immediately Tanner got sent down to the dungeon blindfolded for three hours. Yeah. (laughs) It's freaking terrible, which I'm pretty sure they were at Waverly the night before or two days before and he had gotten bloody freaking nose. Being up on the fifth floor of Waverly, which yeah. fourth floor is worse. Yeah. But anyway. But anyway. <laughs> so he's really having a rough time. Um, while he was down there, he would he kept hearing some movement like outside of his cell. And then later he was like, it's like right in front of me. Yeah. But um, um, this is also the episode where we learned that Alex hates birds, which we also, there were pigeons. And so we were, Same. I remember being like, we get it. Me too. We understand. <laughs> um. So Tanner was in the dungeon still and he was talking about Firebug Johnson mm-hmm. and that's when he was hearing a loud bang like in his cell or closer to yeah. it. Um, 
Then Alex and Chelsea went to the gas chamber together. And as Chelsea was explaining that a guard would knock three times before the gas was released. And like she did it. Yeah. And then something like knocked back from like the inside. They ran out of there. Same. It gives me chills. Also, she was so bold to knock on Uh -uh. it because I would not. Mm -mm. And Alex was like, I had a bad feeling about it as soon as you started doing it. And I was like, who wouldn't? Yeah. I would never. I never want to knock on something because I'm so afraid of something happening back. Especially three times. No, thank you. Um, So there's still, we just, I feel like I'm just talking so fast. (laughs) Decimation fear. (laughs) I'm getting so excited about this for some reason. Not that crazy. Um, So Alex was then asked if they were talking to Bonnie Hetty. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, can you tell us something about how you got to death row? And the word bury came through on the ovulus. And then the word kill came through when they asked why she killed the little boy. Yeah. And so then they were like, she just wanted to kill for fun. Yeah. Like, whatever. Which that's not signed. Like, that's not fully proven. Like, yeah. that's again, always making up a story, you know? But it might be true. It's just, they it's seem an, like terrible it's people. It's an anyway. inference yes. from the information they were given. Yeah. Yeah. So then Dakota was alone in the dungeon for his sleeping arrangement. And the music. Yeah. And the music box went off in the doorway of his cell. That would scare me too. Yeah. All these things by myself would scare me. And then the last thing that really happened of significance um, Tanner was inside the gas chamber by himself because he has had the worst locations. Yeah. Um, and while he was in there, something like knocked on the outside of the cell really loudly and that scared him. And yeah. that would scare me too. Yeah. Same. So that was all. Lots uh, of hauntings there. I want to go. Same. I need to figure out their lettering and number system. I don't understand. Maybe it, like at one point in history was like no. A through F, F or G, G or whatever. F and G, you know? And then maybe it changed to numbers or like vice versa or something. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's fine. Or it's both. Maybe there's a lot more buildings. Maybe there's freaking infinite buildings. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. But hopefully we'll have an update when we go. Oh, yeah. And we will tell you everything that happens. Can't wait. I miss ghost hunting. Me too. Can't wait. When we were watching, we were watching Ghost Hunters and Destination, not Destination Fear, Kindred Spirits mm-hmm. earlier. And I was just thinking how like I watched Ghost Hunters growing up and I like never thought I would still be into that and I never thought I would actually go ghost hunting <laughs> and I was never interested in that Until growing you met up me. <laughs> here I am <laughs> so I love it can't I mean, get enough yeah I think everyone likes to hear a ghost story but not very many people like to like experience yeah. it themselves <laughs> I want to not so, in my own home but no. I want to experience yeah. something anyway wow it's a good one missed you guys yeah I know I I swear I just started talking like a hundred miles an hour, like at the last two, yeah. three minutes of that. So apologies for how fast I was just. You're just like we're we're in the home stretch. Yeah, Let's I was go. like this is this and this and this and this. But I was making myself anxious with how fast I was talking. But it's okay. Uh, very excited for this year. Yes, we got we some got, fun stuff. Got some big ones. Heck yeah! Um, Hope you guys had great holidays. Yeah, with family or with not without family. Maybe that was better for you. <laughs> with whoever you needed to be with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, hope you stay healthy. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. And you guys should follow us on all the things on Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast. Or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast, or shoot us an email at Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time, homies. Peace out.